welcome to the Comics Asylum podcast, where we explore the world of comic books, movies, television, and pop culture in general. My name is Steve Bino, and this week, Fearless Fred stops by to talk about his Star Wars radio play, Mud 79. I'm pleased to welcome to the Asylum, Toronto icon, comic <laughs> book scribe, radio host, rock and roll maven, Fearless Fred, Fred Kennedy to the Asylum, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for wanting to talk about Mud 79. I'm stoked. Absolutely. So let's kick it off with Mud 79. For Star Wars fans out there, what exactly is this? Mud 79 is sort of like Platoon meets Star Wars. Uh, It's a story that is told from the Imperial perspective and takes place three years after the end of the Clone Wars. And I picked that time specifically uh, because you're going to have an entire generation of kids that grew up watching Holonet programming and propaganda and news and programs all about the Clone Wars and all about the greatness of the Republic. And they're going to grow up thinking that the Republic is amazing and the Republic is great. And then they're going to want to be part of it because that's the way propaganda always works. And the, beginning of the idea came from the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary series, which is amazing, by the way. Um, And there was this one guy and he said, he goes, I grew up during the Second World War. (coughs) My father fought in the war. My uncles fought in Korea. It was my time. I felt obligated to go because he grew up surrounded by this culture. And when you look at Star Wars, you, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have an entire generation that's grown up during the Clone Wars that's been influenced by this propaganda, and they're going to want to be part of it. And they're not going to disassociate the Republic from the Empire. It's going to be the same entity for them at that point, you know? No, totally. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned Ken Burns's uh, doc. I have to admit, I was transfixed watching that. I, and, and not to go too off uh, course a little bit, but being a, a Montreal Canadiens fan, the one of the writers for the Gazette was in it, and he was yeah. uh, Michael Farber, and um, sorry, not Michael Farber, Jack Todd, and he actually left the states to come up here, so he was AWOL, but his yeah. brother fought, and I and it just struck me the human cost and the decisions that people have to make when they're caught in a system that is basically you know determining their life choices. Yeah, and I I really feel those elements are things that Star Wars doesn't explore enough. I think the Clone Wars, the series, did more work in exploring that aspect of the Star Wars universe than anything else. And that's a kid's show. And they, the Clone Wars actually served as a fantastic bit of inspiration for Mud 79 and the things that, that weren't front and center in the Clone Wars, but were there. Like there's some really interesting stuff like where there's the one clone who uh, he goes, he turns against his own because he said, you didn't give us a choice in this. Right. We're, we're, we're robots. We're slaves to you, to the, to the Republic. Right. We don't have the choice. And they look at him like he's the worst, but watching from the outside, I'm like, <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not no. wrong. What he's saying. He's not no. wrong. Now it, it's amazing when you're not drinking the Kool-Aid, how yeah. different the world looks. Totally. Absolutely. And I also, when you're talking about drinking the Kool-Aid, I, I feel like we watch Star Wars from this perspective with 
everybody in the empire is evil. Everybody in the, in the, in the rebellion is the greatest person ever. And when you look at the scale and size of the, the empire itself, like at the end of the battle of uh, Endor, after the emperor is killed and the death star, second death star is blown up, there's still 37,000 Imperial class star destroyers out there. Yeah. That is an indication of the scale of the empire. So to say that everybody involved is the worst is just to me, a very inaccurate statement. I look at the empire as like multiple fiefdoms underneath the banner of the empire and all of them should be treated unique. Yes. <laughs> and you take a look at, our main character in the very beginning, at the very beginning of Mud, he introduces himself saying, I joined, I joined the Empire. And then he explains, like, within two paragraphs, like, this is why, like, if we didn't fight for the Republic, we would have been, like, massacred by the Trade Federation. So fighting for the Republic was the way to go. And when it became the Empire, they were already doing the same thing for us as the Republic was. So why not? And it's... The, and there was also that one part in um, in Mandalorian when judged by any metric, healthcare, right. education, <laughs> prosperity. And I'm like, you say it, Mr. Herzog. Exactly. Break it down. I want to see some. <laughs> I want to see some stats. Give me the stat sheet. Like, there's some really interesting questions that get raised. Is the empire the same to everybody? Is right. the empire the same everywhere? And those are things I really wanted to address with Mud Seventy Nine. No, and, and it's, it's interesting, too, how layered Mud 79 is because you've got a multitude of characters and they all have their own um, reasons for doing what they do, joining Mud and the Empire, but they're not necessarily on the Emperor's level of, I want total domination and wiping out the Jedi. Yeah. They just, they just want to survive and make sure they can provide for their family. That's, again, going back to Ken Burns, is... The big common trait with like every single person that was there is they came from poor families, you know, right. not everybody comes from this wealthy planet in the core worlds. Some people are just poor and they have no other options. Like the main character breaks down. I've got no real options. So what yeah. was I going to, this was my ticket out of here. So I took it because that's what I had. And you, you learn about other characters in his unit that, <laughs> we're dealing with the exact same thing. They just wanted an escape. They wanted to get somewhere. They wanted to see the galaxy, you know? Mm -hmm. So they joined up and, and that's a real common trait. And I, I will say for anybody who's watching being like, yeah, but the empire does bad things and things will change. <laughs> Characters <laughs> eyes will start to open as the story moves along, you right. know? And, and part of, part of what the characters are going through too is a bit of uh naivete because they're joining yeah. as, as young people. Mm. And so they're idealists or they're just looking to survive. And then when they start to see certain things that happen in, in either on the battlefield or within the ranks uh, of their unit, they start to question things. And that's kind of what coming of age and, and becoming an adult's all about. There's even some parts in the story, and I've had discussions about this with my producer, um, where the character is lying to himself in the story. And yeah. if, you, if you're listening to it carefully, you'll hear him do it. Yeah. And I, I did those things intentionally because we all, 
we all end up lying to ourselves to make ourselves the hero of our story. You know what <laughs> Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And it's not that he's outright lying. He's just, he's changing certain details to make himself look like less of a bad guy. Is mm-hmm. what he's doing. Right. And <laughs> he's, he's learning as he goes. And as the story progresses, you start to see him change as a character. Uh, and we've only got the first six episodes out now and the next six start dropping on the 27th. Um, so that's where you're really going to see the changes start to happen. The next six episodes are awesome. I just wrapped up episode eight last night with the production side and <laughs> uh, I'm really, I'm really excited about it because I'm doing things with star Wars that I've always wanted to see done. And I don't think I'll ever get to see them on the screen. Um, but you'll really start to see them happening. Well, I'm really enjoying listening to them. I'm almost finished the sixth episode. And now that you've brought up the fact that we have an unreliable narrator, right? Yeah. It makes you question every character he has encountered and described up until now. And so I can only imagine what kind of reveals we're going to have moving forward in the, in the next, uh, in the upcoming chapters. Yeah. There's, uh, there's actually a, a scene in the seventh episode where you see him, you feel him come to grips with what's going on around him. And then five minutes later, he's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't want to believe that he's, part and parcel of horrible things that are happening and not just him but <laughs> the people that are around him he doesn't want to feel he doesn't want to think less of them either you know then mm-hmm. i think that's just something we do as we're as we're young and then as we get older we become a, a lot more cynical about things and brutally honest about the world so yeah you tend to filter uh the people around you a little bit you know yeah, fr- friendships absolutely. are pretty big when you're young and then they get to be pretty small the older you get yes they do you have a smaller <laughs> you have a smaller crew of much closer friends is what ends up happening yeah yeah for sure for sure so how did you come up with the world what what did you use as like i know you're talking about ken burns and then the star wars universe as a whole but how did you put all the lego pieces together to get where we are now um, I had the idea of, so it all started with this one and I, I'm pretty sure everybody's seen this picture. There's this one painting it's by a Spanish artist and it's of a scout trooper and he's leaning against a for against a tree. <coughs> I'm sorry. I got a bit of a cold here. So everyone has it's to bear good. with me. It's all good. So he's, he's leaning against the tree and it's raining and his armor is really muddy and he's got his rifle and he's holding like a pair of binoculars and he's just kind of like, he's got this defeated look on his face. And I always built like this story around that guy about how, what would it be like after the empire is imploding upon itself? Like once the emperor did, I guarantee that a whole bunch of factions within the empire flipped sides, you know, they flipped because it was convenient to survive that way. So that's what they decided to do. And I I just um, imagine what it's like being on this one planet, knowing it's over knowing you're going to lose and having to watch the galaxy fold up on you. But your orders are hold this planet to the last man. Like that's what you're going to do. And that's when I started having this story about this one lone unit on a planet in the middle of nowhere, fighting to the last man, knowing they're going to lose from an Imperial perspective. 
And I tried to rationale the story and I read a book, uh, it's by a German guy called Blood Red Snow and it's the, a German infantry officer, not officer, German infantryman's perspective of the Eastern Front as the Eastern Front collapses and the Russians are coming in. And that is when I had a big switch in my head where I stopped thinking of the, the empire as the, the Third Reich. I started to think about them as the Red Army. And I've read a few books about uh, the Red Army. And, okay, okay. and I, will double, I will double down on my perspective about that, just in the way that the Red Army used tactics. Like, we got lots of men, just keep throwing them. That's what right. the Empire does. Like, that's the exact <laughs> same thing. So <laughs> I, I kind of had a switch there. And that was, uh, that, they kind of sat on the back burner. And then I watched Rogue One. And then I, that was when it really came out that, like, you you can make the rebels just as brutal and vicious as you can make the empire and then when i saw solo and the mud troopers guys that are beneath the stormtroopers i'm like that's it that's what i needed and solo uh the 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 battle of mimban which was the extension of a battle from the clone wars was really the big impetus because i started to realize that just because the Clone Wars ended doesn't mean that the war was done. Because look at Iraq, the Second Gulf War, um, Desert Storm Two. Uh, the war lasted like two or three months, but the violence is still going on right now. And that is what happened, in, to me, in my opinion, that is what happened on thousands of worlds in the empire and they show it in solo like that's what's going on it was a war it was a battle on a planet that was mop up from the clone wars and so that is what's going on on this planet sestin 4 like the war's done but the fighting's not over and so when i there's this one youtube channel called generation tech and these guys like you think i know star wars i that was that i've watched hours of their videos to and taking notes about the way the galaxy works in Star Wars. And they explain like how <coughs> the Mud Trooper is the Imperial Army. That's it. That's like the basic, they go in, they hold planets, they clean up, they, they, they fortify. The Stormtroopers are the face of the Empire. They're the best of the best. And in the beginning of the story, he talks about how he was a really good shot and he could have made it as a stormtrooper, but you don't want to be a stormtrooper because you're going to die. Like that's what happens. And so he didn't want to do it. He's like, I don't want to go die. Like what's the point of being the face of the empire if you're dead? So he didn't want to be a stormtrooper. So being a mud trooper, though less glamorous was a much better opportunity to survive your term of service. So that's what he decided to do. So he's on this planet system four. Um, where they've got a, a population that is in flux because a lot of the people that were in power there suddenly are no longer in power because they were really friendly with the Republic and they expressed loyalist tendencies. And so there's now a new group of people in charge that are the Empire. And even though the majority of the people on this planet are much happier with this new system, because there's not as much slave trading, et cetera, as there was under the Republic, they're not happy 
So they start fighting. And that's where the story really gets going. And when I really started to analyze the Star Wars universe with the stuff from Generation Tech, I'm telling you, it's these guys, it's shocking how much research these guys have done. Uh, that was when everything, all the pieces really just started cascading. And that's when I started writing it all out. And that was like the notes came. I took some notes around the fall of last year and I talked to my producer, my podcast saying, I want to do this as like a radio play. And she goes, I don't think you understand how much work this is because <laughs> I didn't. And then when I, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And so then I, uh, we had a trip. We did the, we did the family trip to Disney the first time I've ever gone. And we went and I, we had like a bunch of our friends and we went to uh, galaxy's edge. And when we were in, there's this, we went to galaxy's edge and I was sitting there with one of my buddies from high school and he's there with his kids. And then I was like, I just started talking about it, the idea and how I was worried about it being too much work. And the thing about Disney, they don't tell you is you can drink in, in the day. So we're drinking uh -huh. like at lunch and we're a little bit tipsy in Star Wars land. <laughs> and he's like, you got to do it. I'm like, I got to do it. So that was when I decided that I was going to do it in like February. And since then, it's been a very slow, laborious process. Now, it's a radio play. Not everyone yeah. may not know that. So what goes into making a radio play? Because as I'm listening to it, and you'd mentioned Platoon, <laughs> I thought I was listening to a war um, serial. Yeah. It might have been done in like the 50s or, or 40s. That was but the idea. But with just the cover of Star Wars on it. So yeah. what, what goes into making that? And you've got cast members and then music sound effects what 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 kind of uh, a task have you put yourself into a, a bigger one than i expected uh and what's interesting too is like we were talking we talked when we were emailing back and forth if you listen to the first episode it's very layered there's a lot of there's a lot of effects and all that and and they're percolating throughout the whole thing but once you get to the, the, the third episode and then the fourth episode, by the time you're getting to the fifth and sixth, like, it's thick. Like, and that's because I'm learning. I used to be a producer on radio. That was one of my big breaks in radio came from my production ability and making commercials. And so I, I'm relearning things that I used to do all the time. And so doing the, the radio play, like, you've got a – so what I do is I record everything. I record me doing the narrator's lines because I'm the narrator. And then I record all the dialogue for all the other characters. And then I send them the audio of their lines and then they get their lines and they send them back to me. And then I go back and then I hand bomb their dialogue into the audio file. And then I start building the play where I've got the main audio track of the narration and then where it's needed, I add certain effects. Like whenever anybody's on the comms channel, there's like a, an effect that you have to run to make it sound like it's running through a radio. When you've got uh, the Inquisitor or the Purge Troopers talking, you run a specific effect to make it sound like they're talking through the mask, like that classic Star Wars way of having a, a line through the mask. And then you run the sound effects and then the atmospheric effects, like the ambiance stuff. Uh, so if they're in a swamp, there's like sound effects, like it's a swamp. And if they're in a field, there's some 
field sound effects like wind blowing through if it's raining rain all that stuff and then you add the music and the music is something that i had very heated discussions with my i didn't want music i initially i was dead set against having any music in it i wanted it to sound real uh just like like you're you're tuning in and you're just listening you know um and she was she said that i was thinking of it from an from an audiobook perspective which i was she was totally right when she said that um i i i chirp my producer on the podcast constantly <laughs> if anybody listens i call her yeah. a contemptible harpy all the time every and episode <laughs> everyone but I, I, I value her opinion so much because 90% of the time I, I end up agreeing with her because she's right. And so she just, she just sent it to like the, the, the network's producer and she had him add in some music just like in a five minute section. And I was so mad because she was so right. And so then, <laughs> then that added the music, which just made more work, but the thing that the music can do is your brain is programmed to cue into audio. Like you don't even realize you're doing it. Your, your brain just does it because it's instinct. You're, you, you're auditory sensitive. And so the, the, the track is playing and all of a sudden you go into like a dark area and then you put like a soft drone in like, in the background and that subtle change like changes the way you're listening to the sound effects of the blaster fire or the the rain falling because you cue in that deep that deep note that's just droning something bad is coming like the back of your mind your instinct that primordial brain from the old Davi Gorge in Tanzania <laughs> from millions of years ago is going, watch out. Yeah. Something big is coming. It's going to eat us. Grab your sticks, everybody. We got to go. So <clears throat> taking advantage of that is really important. Uh, I would say for each episode to write the episode, just writing the script is about six hours, maybe give or take six hours to write it. Um, then the rewrites probably about an hour on top of that but the production for each episode is probably 12 hours easy mm. because you've got to go through and the thing that people don't understand about sound effects is when you're putting like a blaster fire like let's just say you find a sound effect for a blaster going off poof um, we're really nerding out here and i'm sorry i'm getting too deep into this <laughs> no no so, keep going i like the deep dive i like the deep dive so when you've got a blaster sound effect, it goes, Beesh! that's fine. That's cool. But that's so neutral. When I'm listening to it, I need, I don't want neutral sound. I want perspective on everything. So when it's the main character talking and he's saying, I blaster fire hit behind me, Boof! we have the blaster sound effect, but then we have to change the shape of the sound. So we have to make it sound louder as it gets closer. Then what happens? Does it hit something behind you? Okay, what is it hitting? Is it hitting wood? Well, it's hitting a tree. So now we have to make sure that we have the sound effect of the blaster hitting and impacting something. It's hardwood, so we'll find like the sound effect of something hard. So sound hard impact. But then we need something also soft to give that 
notation of it digging into the wood. So we have blaster, hard impact, soft impact. <laughs> but then pieces of wood blast off of the side of the tree. So we'll find the sound effect for some, some slight rubble, a few little tickle, tickle, tickles of like rubble, you know, falling in behind it. So you got the blaster, hard, soft, and then two or three like. So one sound, blaster fire hitting the tree beside me is five sounds layered all together, plus the background ambiance, plus the music that's going on, plus the narration. So you're dealing with all those tracks. And I got an email from somebody. I just wish that you could get these out like weekly. It's like, so do I. A hundred percent. I agree. But I have a job to pay for my home and my children that I want to spend time with and my wife that I also need to spend time with. So this happens after work is done. The kids are in bed. And my wife and I have hung out for a bit. And then she usually goes to bed at around like 1030. And then I'm like, well, off to the old audio studio. And then I go into my like office at home and plug in my headphones and just start tinkering away on Adobe Audition on it for a while. So it can be intensive, but I think the proof is in the pudding. I think it sounds way better than what people expect when they actually listen to it. It sounds pretty pro because... I'm using some pro effort when I make it. No, it, it, it definitely comes across. <laughs> and I know, especially nowadays with video games and, you know, 8K, 4K televisions, we're pretty visual yeah. as a society. But when I'm listening to the episodes, the sound gives you a picture. You're getting an auditory picture of that world, of that environment or that, that moment of the yeah. narrative. And, and I think it lends to so much more as opposed to just having the voice. Did you uh, watch that? It's a series on Netflix, High Score, the video game documentary. No, I don't think did. I've had a chance to watch that one yet. There's a, I, there's a great line in it. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, this Japanese video game maker. I forget who it is that said it. He goes, audio is confirmation. And he goes, when you watch a video game and it, there's no sound, there's no confirmation about what's right. happening. You don't know when he gets the coin. You don't know when he makes the jump or when they land. Audio confirms everything. When you're watching it, you're waiting for that audio. And there's also uh, my very first day in broadcasting school in the 90s, um, <laughs> uh, my radio teacher he said, good audio is visual. If you're a good broadcaster when you're on air, I can close my eyes and visualize everything that you're saying. I can hear it in my mind. And so I keep those two lines in my head when I'm making mud, 100%. And when you think about, <coughs> about sound in movies, it yeah. was really Lucas with THX that really leveled up everything. Yeah. When you think um, about it. Sound design, uh, I, I've said this in the podcast too, like I, I didn't realize how massive it affects everything. And I really am, I'm, tr I'm, I'm, I'm dragging myself over the coals to make this, this product as good as I can make it. Like I think the story is really good. I really love the story in Mud that I'm telling. And I feel that it's a very, it's a very human story and it's doing things that 
I have never seen Star Wars do before. Mm. But making sure that the production is as good as I can make it lends a lot of credence to the story. Because let's be honest, it's just, when you get down to it, it's just fan fiction. It's just another piece of fan fiction. And that's not me trying to diminish people that write fan fiction. That's me trying to rally against the people that dump on fan fiction. Like, I want to create something that is a professional caliber production. Like, you see those, there's so many amazing fan films about Star Wars out there on the internet. I haven't seen anything that is like mud in terms of being like uh, an industry standard production from an audio perspective. Like, right. I've listened to those radio plays from from Marvel, like the Wolverine radio play. And they're good. Like, don't get, this isn't me dumping on them. But I really feel like what makes them good is that they've got these massive casts of people that you know, of professional voice actors that are, that are renowned. And then they've got like writers from Marvel. And then they've got like a pro uh, <coughs> podcast production team behind it. Mud is me and 20 other people that aren't getting any money out of it. None of us are getting paid. We're doing all of this because we love the property so much. And I think that what we've got is just as good, if not better than anything that you're gonna see Marvel and Glint teaming up to create themselves. We are easily on that level. And I, and I know that sounds like a cocky thing to say, but I believe it, I, I listen to it side by side. And I've seen the audio files. So I can say <laughs> that like the caliber of production we're putting in, in terms of like, like we're running a multi-track of 15 layers of sound constantly. And I am nerding out with the audio aspects of this right now. And I feel bad. But even if you don't understand what any of that means, listen to it with your eyes closed with no sound going on in the background. Like if you're on the streetcar and you're listening on your headphones, listen to it there. Then listen to it in a silent room and pick up on all the things that you didn't even hear. Like there's just, there's so much going on all the time. Uh, episode, episodes five and six, I feel like I really came into my own uh, with the production aspects. And like there's a scene with a character is sort of like learning about the galaxy. He's walking through a crowded street right. and he's seeing alien races that he's never even seen before. He doesn't even know what they are. But in the background, you can hear them talking. You can hear alien languages talking. You can hear like food being taken off of a, off of a pan. Like they're sizzling. There's, there's shuttles flying overhead. There's people walking around beside them. There's idle conversation. There's laughter. It's all there, man. It's all happening all at the same time. No, definitely. It definitely is. And the thing that I like about it is, is that your attention to detail is almost putting it right in the Star Wars universe. So if I didn't know that this wasn't a Lucas Disney production, I would say, hey, this could fit in. And, and you know, you want to see what happens because the story's great as well, too. Like, it's all those things that make you a Star Wars fan. So the, you, we talked about this before we started doing the actual interview. You mentioned the minutia. Yeah. The, when he says he's firing off, he goes through his kit. He talks about his kit, like his loadout, the weapons he carries, 
the the makes of all of the rifles when they're in a firefight he says that's this type of rifle that's an e22 that's a republic issue e22 the sound of that rifle is the actual e22 sound effect that's the official e22 sound effect wow and i went through and i sourced the audio for every weapon that they use that they mentioned that's their sound um and the even like with the, the RPS-6 rocket launcher, there is no official RPS-6 rocket launcher sound effect. So I had to jumble a few layers of sounds together to make it sound like a futuristic rocket launcher. <laughs> uh, but that's the only one that I really played with. It was also, this is going to come into play later on, but they start dealing with the, <coughs> the it's, I think it's an MH-8 mortar launcher, which is a weapon that appeared a few times in the Clone Wars series. Uh, they start using mortars because of the the nature of the conflict on Sestin Four changes. That's all I will say. All right. Um, and so that I had to modify and make my own sound effect for it because once again there was no official sound effect that I could find for that. But everything else, uh, I've gone on to the fan forums on YouTube, and I will always give massive shout outs to the fan forums on Star Wars about how supportive and enthusiastic they are about what's being done and propping each other up and if you like message like hey do you have a sound effect like this but a little bit cleaner they'll be like i don't but i found it over here it's probably going to be around there so a big big thank you to all those nerds helping other nerds <laughs> nerd out I, I it means a lot yeah no worries and i want to talk about your cast because oh, yes. without the cast, <laughs> no, it's just, you know, just like you're just a straight narration. So yeah. how did you assemble your team? How did you pick who you wanted for, for each character? Give, so, give us some background. There, diversity is a big word that gets tossed around. Um, and I was very adamant from the get-go that my cast was going to be 50-50 male and female. And I was also adamant that my cast was going to be massively inclusive and more than half would be people of color. That was non-negotiable. Um, and so the only, that's my main characters. There are times, however, when simply because of, of need, I've had people that I know down the hallway that are white that have access to a microphone because like in the radio station, like I, I just filler audio i've had to go there but all the main characters uh right now it's two-thirds are people of color one-third are white uh and it's 50 50 male and female it's actually more female than male i think it's like 55 percent male because we've had 30 people that have been involved um and the from the get-go that was like what i wanted to do because i feel like it's really important because i think star wars is for everybody um but i've never mentioned the 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 race uh, of any of the characters that are on there and that was because i i read an article it was on io9 i think it was by charlie jane anders years ago where they talked about the importance of being able to identify with anybody as a character mm. and so i want anybody to be able to identify with anybody you know what i mean um so that was the i that was where the way i went into it and from there it was who had the best reads cut the best parts. <laughs> That's really what it wow came down. So uh, there's, and some characters I didn't intend to be very big, but the people that sent the audio back were just phenomenal. I'm like, well, 
I'd be an idiot not to include you more, so I will. And then <laughs> there were some cases where there was a character that was fated to die that ended up dying, and I was like, oh, they were so good. I wish that I hadn't given them that character. But the first person that I reached out to was Marilla Wex. Uh, she is a British voice actress, and she's been in countless video games. Uh, she's wrapped up in NDAs, so she never admits what roles she's had, but mm. she's been in a bunch of the Assassin's Creed games. Right. Uh, so she's in there. And then Sean Hatton was my next go-to. Uh, Sean, um, phenomenal guy. Uh, reviews on the run, Electric Playground, uh, Vintage Tech Hunters. Like, he's just... Sean's an awesome dude, and he's also... A musician so he's got again has a microphone these are the things that matter to me like legitimately <laughs> i need good sound um <laughs> and then the like i think i went to mike walsh uh who voices corporal husto and mike's a massive star wars fan and he's been an artist on a bunch of uh star wars comics for marvel so i wanted him involved and from there it was just like a trickle process of finding people you know uh and my buddy Tej voices uh, Chorus, who's like Jesper Chorus, who's sort of like a warlord in the character. He runs a town with an iron fist, but the people of that town love him because before he came in, there were slavers that were like raiding the villages around there. But once Jesper came in with his exceedingly brutal tactics in dealing with him, everything got fine and he started building hospitals and schools for everybody. So they love him. And Jesper is voiced by my buddy Tej. And Tej, as an actor, has introduced me to a whole bunch of other actors who right. all have access to microphones. And once that happened, a lot of my main, my main roles got filled up very quickly. Uh, and then what I did, when anybody, like I posted stuff on Reddit and Reddit is, an, is another story. Like I can't, <laughs> I, uh, don't get me started on it. Like this, I will. This is an aside for one okay. moment. Okay, go. So I posted, I tried to get onto a Star Wars subreddit and I posted that I was working on this thing and immediately got taken down. <laughs> and it's like, you can't just come on here and promote your own thing. And it's like, mm -hmm. do you not go on the Star Wars subreddit? It's all people just promoting their own things. It's just like a, are you cool enough club? So whatever, done with that. So I'm a big Imgurian. I go on Imgur, which mm -hmm. is like the image server for Reddit anyways. But going on Imgur, uh, I actually got hooked up with like three other people that have done voices for the show. <laughs> One of them has a Scottish accent because I said I'm looking for people with accents. And one of these people is like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've got military experience. Uh, I, I love what you're doing because it sounds like you understand how the military works. And my dad is a lifer in the military and he actually would rip apart my scripts for me. That wouldn't happen. That's not how that works. <laughs> so he actually helped me put all that stuff together. And so Imdra was very welcoming in terms of like propagating content and hooking me up with potential voice actors and characters on the show. So that was the, the overall process. But act one is going to change a lot of things. The end of act one is going to mean act two will be very different. And there will be some characters that were in act one will no longer be in the second act for various reasons. And some characters will be new in the second act. So once again, we've got to go back to the drawing board, so. Right, right. 
And for the upcoming episodes, what can you tease without um, being too spoilery? So I kind of gave a little bit of a tease when I said the nature of the conflict will change. At the, at the, there's things that happen. Okay. There's things that happen <laughs> in the very beginning mm-hmm. that have not been resolved. Right. And they will be resolved. All of those little, I, I'm a big thing. I hate when shows throw details in and mm-hmm. then they don't do anything with them. So there's a big thing. At the very end of the second episode, that people were kind of like, why did that happen? And then you didn't go back and touch it. I'm going to. And at the very end of the sixth episode, you kind of get a taste that I think we're going to actually get some resolution on that. You do. The road to resolution starts in episode seven. And like when you talk about, layered sound um i spent a lot of time crafting the sound for what would it be like if you were inside a lardy with the force drive missile launchers on the roof going off and the front turrets going off while you're swooping over a target laying down fire with explosions going off all underneath so Hmm. things are happening all right and it's it's gonna it's I, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm next Tuesday is when episode seven drops and that's great. And then episode five, once again, is very different. Episode five, the is, oh, it's like predator. Um, I can say that. Awesome. And then six, there's, oh, dude, I don't want to give it away, but I'm so stoked about it. Like, so that just I, means. I, I, that just yeah. means people have to be there on Tuesday yeah. Yeah. to join so the ride. So six, seven drops on Tuesday, and then in two, every, two week, every other week, we're dropping a new episode right until the end of the year. Awesome. And it's, yeah, I'm really, I'm really pumped for Star Wars fans to hear it and for anybody, anybody, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you could know nothing about Star Wars, and it won't leave you up because I'm very adamant about explaining things as I go, reintroducing the topic as I move along. Now, you're wearing a lot of hats in this one. Director, writer, actor. (laughs) Yeah. And if you have followed you before, your comic book writing is a lot of sci-fi. What is it about sci-fi and Star Wars that fuels your muse? Um, Because I think Star Wars can be different things to different people. I think that's what I like about it the most. It can be so many different things to so many different people. And there's so many different types of stories you can tell in that environment. Uh, sci-fi is, I always feel the best venue for self-examination mm. uh, and societal examination and taking a look at the world that we live in. Uh, and you can really hyper analyze everything that's going on in the world today. And you, you can't get accused of being an, well, I guess for Star Wars, you can get accused of being inaccurate. Uh, but th- I, that's what I love about it so much. And Star Wars, I think, for so many of us, was it was the first. Like, it was the first thing that we ever got to see. Like, when, I, when you're a little kid growing up, 
you wanted to have a lightsaber. You thought it was so rad to have a laser sword, you know? Uh, or if you didn't want to be a, a Jedi, you could be a pilot, you know, flying through space. It was funny, last, last night, I was talking in my oldest, and, and he's like, he goes, Dad, we actually watched The Flight of the Navigator last okay. night, the Disney movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, I It's not nearly as good as I remember it being, <laughs> but we watched it, and we're laying in bed. I'm talking to him, and he goes, Dad, I just feel like I'm meant for so many important things. I shouldn't be in school doing math. I should be in space <laughs> flying a spaceship. And I'm like, I get it. Believe me, buddy. I understand. Right. Uh, but math is important. So if you don't do math, you're not going to get to fly a spaceship. It's just that simple. But I think that that it gives you an opportunity to like imagine and wonder. And I think, I think Star Wars is more space fantasy than sci-fi. And I think hmm. if I'm being honest, I, I love sci-fi, but I love space fantasy more because it's less technical and it's more right. fun and imaginative and there's some things actually in episodes eight that I do with uh there's an inquisitor character on right. the show voiced by my buddy Tony who is another radio person but she works in Jamaica mm. so like I've got voices coming in from all over the world <laughs> for this thing but she voices the inquisitor and she she gave me this fantastic sinister read because i don't think we like we get a taste of it in rogue one where darth vader comes down the hall you get a sense of the horror you know of dealing with a sith lord that is powered by rage and fury but the inquisitors are padawans that were broken by the dark side of the force. So they're not just powerful force users. They're also broken mentally. Like mm -hmm. they've got no, there's no switch. Like they, they're barely able to contain themselves. And you sort of deal with the aftermath of what happens. It's like Jet Li in that movie Unleashed when they take right. the collar off. What happens then? You're going to find out. And it's, to me, Star Wars has the ability to create amazing horror scapes, and they've never done it. Yeah. We jump in with both feet. That's, all I, that's my tease. That's my tease. And, that, and, what, and you bring up a great point because like, people think of Star Wars as, a, as a, almost like a vehicle for kids. But yeah. your, your world is very adult, including some yeah. of the language and yeah. the scenarios <laughs> and what happens to people um what was behind your decision to take it to that next level well initially there was no foul language we had them saying like blast nerf herder things like that but <laughs> when i played it for my wife she was like now now and then i played her with the foul language she goes this sounds better right so i left the foul language in and also um have you ever spent any time with soldiers in a barracks because everyone's swearing it's all it's like yeah it's it's wild like <clears throat> there's a if you watch uh, uh generation kill mm -hmm. which is a fantastic but very offensive series from hbo 
about yeah. the second Gulf War. Um, and it's what's amazing is that everybody that there's actually one of the characters, Rudy Reyes, who is like, they all call him Fruity Rudy in the show. That's the real guy. Like yeah. that's the actual Rudy Reyes, like from the series, who is a recon Marine that the rest of them make fun of, but they're also all terrified of. Right. Like the, the book is really good because they get way more into the details about all these guys do is try and beat the shit out of each other. That's all they do. Like when they're, when they're not in combat, they're always fighting or trying to get the drop on each other. But it's about like, we're all beating the crap out of each other, but don't you dare walk in here and try and start with any of us. Cause even the guys we don't like, we're, we're a unit, we're a family, you know, we're together. And that is one of the things I'm trying to create with mud. And so to create that and have it be believable, they also have to have that sibling mentality of constantly getting on each other's nerves. Cause that's the way it is. But it's that like, <clears throat> my, my father joined the military in 66 and he was in the military his entire life. Like he is a lifer in the military. And he said that one of the things about being in the barracks together and being on edge and, and nitpicking at each other is you build a dependence on one another and a reliance on one another. And just as much as you're irritated and annoyed with yourselves and everybody around you, there's nobody that you're going to go to before them because they're in it with you. Like, and if, and if you guys can't solve it, you go to your sergeant because your sergeant, though they're brutal to you, they'll look after you. And there's a line in the first episode where they talk about how their, their lieutenant, who is a cloner, right. they, they're terrified of him. They hate him. But when he's around, there's the assurance that nobody will make problems for them because he's there. Like, he'll protect them. Like, they're, they're his. They belong to him, and nobody can touch them. You know what I mean? No, totally. Totally. I, I completely <laughs> understand. Yeah, and, uh, you know, um, I wish you the, the best of luck on the second half of MUD. 79. I'm really, really enjoying it. I think Star Wars fans would get a real kick out of it. And I think that that even though it's a little bit on the adult side, it's something that older Star Wars fans, and then maybe, you know, not quite the kid level, but once we're a little bit older, can all enjoy and relate to and will take different things out of it. Yeah, I, I, I want to do I wanted it to be a real a much more human Star Wars, you know? Mm -hmm. Like in the way that Rogue One was. Rogue One really, when I think about Star Wars influences, it was the biggest influence, I think, from a Star Wars canon perspective. Like just the mood of it. Like when you, the very first time you meet Diego Luna and he's like, don't worry, we'll be okay. The guy turns around and shoots him in the back. Like, I'm like, oh my God. But that's what you would have to be. Like you're, if you're gonna fight against the Empire, that's the type of mentality and the conviction you're going to have to have to win, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's like survival at all costs. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Fred, I want to thank you for visiting in the asylum and sharing mud 79 with us. I had a great time talking things, star Wars, and uh, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Where can people you. find you in the um, meantime? If you just uh, go to Omni and look for Mud79, you'll find it. If you go to my Twitter feed at Fearless underscore Fred, I'm posting about it constantly. 
Uh, I'm actually going to be posting a, a pinned tweet uh, later on this week with the next episode. So if anybody wants to go check that out there. Also on my Instagram, if you go to my Instagram, actually, uh, at fearless underscore Fred, in my Insta stories, I, I give a lot of teasers. Uh, like while I'm producing it, I'll post Insta stories of the scenes in the process. And it won't just be audio. It'll, you'll see the actual multi-track of all the audio pieces that play together and how they all work with the effects and everything. So if you've ever been wanting to do something like this on your own with not just Star Wars, but any property, uh, I'm, I'm very, very open about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it because I'm, I hate people that get territorial about the idea of creation. I think that everybody should be working together and helping each other out so we can all create amazing stories to share with each other. No, fantastic. Fantastic. And I, I recommend that everyone go in and check it out. It's a, it's a great listen, a great experience. Thank you, buddy. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be in contact again and uh, I look forward to chatting you, with you some more about this. Totally, man. Awesome. And All if right. you want to do, if you want to do any sound effects for me, like combat <laughs> yells, grunts, deaths or anything, just let me know. I'll shoot you. I'll shoot you a list of lines that I always get people to do for me. Uh, it'd be an honor to be part of the Star Wars universe, for sure. Awesome, Definitely. buddy. You have, a, you have a good one, dude. All right, you too. Take care of yourself. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. And once again, a special thank you to Fearless Fred. We look forward to your comments, so reach out to us on Facebook and at Comics Asylum on Instagram and Twitter.